Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of the Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Two primary passages of Scripture. We'll do Luke 2, 8 through 14 first. Set us up for Christmas. Bible says that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. And if you've been saved by Jesus, you can attest, good news, great joy. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's the first passage. Here's the second one, Isaiah 52, seven through eight. And it is a prophecy of the Lord coming. And it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy for before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. So what we have here is we have the watchman watching the mountain, the good news has arrived. And then the people, the Lord, his angels showing up to shepherds, declaring that good news, peace, and hope is here. Again, why we're receiving communion in this series is because the whole purpose of Jesus coming is to bring hope hope that there will be a Messiah, but there could only be a great Messiah and King if he proves, if he proves that he's 100% man and also 100% God. Unless Jesus dies, he's not resurrected. Unless he's resurrected, he's a phony, but he comes as a baby through the virgin. He's born, good news, we have hope. He dies, he's resurrected, we have victory. Um. The other part of this is Romans 10 and Paul begins to explain the urgency of the gospel and he repeats Isaiah's words. He's outlining the mandate for watchmen, for believers. He says it like this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Great passage that growing up, you would hear this when our church, I grew up in a church uh, that we never said no to missionaries. Uh, We funded our church, we gave to missionaries 
I mean, I think at one time we funded 300 missionaries. And of course the missionaries would come in town and then they would, you know, preach this passage, you know, how beautiful are my feet, you know? And we're like, yes, you're right. Thank you for going so we can stay. Um, and then um, we, were, we were watching this movie uh, yesterday um, and basically my son was like, it was, it was the journey to Bethlehem and my son was like, why is, does nobody believe Mary? And I was like, well, I'll tell you in a few years, you know. Uh, but like, also, also like when God tells you to do something, okay, uh, like, like there's a gap between God telling and God coming, you know, it's like between hearing and God, you know, coming through. And like when, when, when we sensed God telling us to plant a church in Philadelphia, there was a lot of people who didn't believe that that was what God wanted. And so while it is true uh, that this passage is very indicative of what it means to be a missionary, to go to foreign lands. And, and by the way, your church, we support missionaries across the globe. Thank you for giving. But also that is actually a call, a command for believers right here everywhere to also gird up their feet and go deliver good news too. And when you do that, your feet are blessed and beautiful as the authors write. We've got invite cards on our seats for Christmas Eve. You've got a command, not a request, to go and bring people into the house of God, highways and byways to make sure the house is full. You've got a command to go reach people for Jesus because you've been given good news. How could you keep it to yourself? Right? Now, going back to uh, the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? We, we see that the, the writer is illustrating uh, of the song, Go Tell Them Out. He, he, he's, he's, he's heavy on, uh, while shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens, there shone a holy night. He is illuminating the shepherds. Why? Well, this past week, I was at the Constitution Center and I, I really enjoy um, learning about American history, particularly revolutionary history. It's fascinating thinking about all the things that had to fall into place and all the battles that had to have been won for us to be a country. It is crazy when you think about it. And uh, I was at the Constitution Center and there was an exhibit on slavery and how, how actually brilliant our founders were in that there are amendments where things can evolve and change. And I'm reading the Emancipation Proclamation and I'm just like, it's just crazy to think of all the things that took place. And uh, one of the things I was reading was our, our founders, many of them wanted to end slavery at that moment, but didn't feel that they could accomplish the Revolutionary War and unite the colonies if that was written out. And so 100 plus years later, that's when the Civil War is fought. And I'm reading the Emancipation Proclamation and I am, you're going back to the original constitution. And in the original constitution, there was a clause. It was called the three-fifths clause. Have you heard of it? 
It's egregious when you consider it. Three-fifths clause, it dictated that for purposes of representation in the House of Representatives, African-American slaves were to be counted as less than full persons. On this side of things, where we sit today, and we've got friends, community, church, family, of people from all different backgrounds and colors and classes and histories and all these different things, it's, it's it, honestly, it's insane to imagine living in that reality. Um, I love being a part of a, a church family and a church community, especially because it's like, I, I cannot be in relationship with the amount of people that I'm in relationship in this church and ever consider that someone that God has created in a design is less than me. It's it's unfathomable. But I bring this up because the writers of this song were slaves. And they connect the song to shepherds. Why? Well, in those days, in Bible days, shepherds were considered almost less than people. Shepherds worked seven days a week. Uh, shepherds did not bathe much. Shepherds did not have access to much. They were sent out into the field to essentially survive and watch theirs or others' livestock. And the, the, the writer, having been a slave, is connecting himself, seeing himself in the story as a shepherd. Nobody is seeing my value. And here I am working every day. And according to others, less than. And I think it's awesome. And I think the, the reason you're seeing this connection point is because God shows up to the shepherds to make this announcement. It, 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 is, it is proof that the gospel is good news right now for anybody. That Christianity and following Jesus is not for some, it's for all who stand in the need. And God, God is, is an expert on, he emphasizes, he leans toward offering himself to people that other people don't want to acknowledge or offer themselves to. I don't know about you, but that's really good news. See, there's no one too broken, too poor, too insignificant. There's no one too anything for his kingdom. There is no one too far gone. There's no one in too much pain. There's no one in too much sin. There's nobody who doesn't qualify for the gospel. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to heal, to unite. God is not a respecter of persons in the sense and the way that we naturally have our biases. But whether rich or poor, grieving or joyous, if you come to Jesus with a willing heart, you can have all of him. 
And I love the history and the origins of this song. And I love the writer connecting and comparing himself to the shepherd. I love the fact that the gospel breaks down walls and says, you know what? You're not as important as you think you are. And those who think they're not important are. That God creates, God designs, and God chooses to bless and reveal himself to the very people you think he may not. I want to explore the fragility of life for a moment. I think sometimes self-sufficiency is an illusion. What I mean by that is one small microscopic bacteria entering your body could change everything. You could be completely healthy and then all of a sudden. Uh, I thought it was interesting. One of the most famous generals in the Civil War, nobody could stop him, but he got bit by a tick and that's what killed him. Think about that. Hey, do you know how small ticks are? Nobody could stop him and his army, but he got bit by a tick and he was dead. What am I saying? One phone call you're not expecting. Someone's been in a wreck or an accident. It could destroy everything you cherish. One unexpected call into your boss's office or an economic downturn or a stock market crash, it could, it could ruin your financial prospects in a moment. One bad doctor's visit, one bad fight or breakup or accident. I mean, you go on and on and on and on, no matter how hard you work out or watch what you eat. There could be some sort of genetic thing you're unaware of. You can't always safeguard life's problems. That's the point. Jesus says in this life, you'll have trouble. Now, I'm not sharing this with you for you to freak out or be worried or not go outside or not enjoy a nice Christmas meal that has lots of bad things in it. I'm not saying those things. I, 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 because if you live that way, you, you'll drive other people nuts and you'll drive yourself crazy. All I'm saying is, is life is a dichotomy. Good and bad, life is unpredictable. There's great moments, there's bad moments, and you cannot always dictate what will take place. You can't get around that. You, 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 you can't, you don't know the future. You can't, as much as you might think you're in control, at the end of the day, we're not really in control. We should be wise, we should be careful, we should do our best to eat well and exercise. And a lot of these things certainly mitigates some of those things. But at the end of the day, you can't control the outcomes of life. You have a choice. You can put your life and your hope in God's hands. Or you can be an insane person and think that you're God. And just rest in that, have peace in that. Some of you, your anxiety is going to break in this season because you're finally just going to surrender and go, you know what? I don't have to be in control. I say all that to say this, though, that when it comes to God, we also don't get to dictate who God blesses, chooses, and pours out his favor over. We don't. We can, however, we can, however, align ourselves for God's blessing and God's favor. And the Christmas story absolutely gives us 
scriptural examples of people who experience God's favor and blessing and some reasons why. Mary, why does God pour out his favor? She's humble. The shepherds, why does God pour out his favor? They're available. The wise men, sacrificial. Joseph, obedient. The prophets of old, courageous. So what's the lesson here? Well, the lesson is, is right now, the good news is, is you can be all those things and align yourself for God's blessing and favor. You can't force God's hand. You can't manipulate him. You can't do any of those things, but you can align yourself. You can find yourself practicing in this season, humility. You can find yourself being available. You can find yourself willing to be sacrificial. You can find yourself willing to be obedient. You can find yourself willing to be courageous. And guess what? In your own right and merit, you cannot do those things, but you have the Holy Spirit who can help you. So the lesson here is this, is, is we should never scoff at those God chooses to bless and pour out his favor on. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because when we do that, and when we look around and say, that person is undeserving. I don't like that person. They shouldn't get that. You're not God. And what you're doing is you're doing the same exact thing as declaring someone as three-fifths a person. So be careful what you declare and say over somebody else when God's pouring out his blessing because God chooses that you don't. You can, however, align yourself with the characteristics and the heart posture of people of old, the scriptural examples, and trust that God is not a liar and he'll take care of you. That's good news. You receive that today? Now, let's go back here for a minute to uh, the line, the verse that says, go tell it on the mountain. And how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I wanna explain mountain imagery for a minute. In those days, most cities in the Middle East were settled between mountains. And when they were waiting for good news, they would look towards the hills because that's the first place they'd see the messenger coming. And if the messenger was carrying some kind of flag, it meant they had won the battle. The first one to see the messenger of good news would be the city watchmen who were stationed in towers on the wall. Which is why the writer of Go Tell It on the Mountain uses that imagery in the original version. He made me a watchman upon the city wall. You and I are actually the ones who announce, I see him. Victory is ours. We've won. Let me describe watchmen for a moment. There's really two kinds of, of watchmen. Uh, there are intercessors, people who have a grace to pray and to pray fervently. And then there are all of us who are watchmen of the times and responsible for going and declaring the good news. I just want to say something about intercessors for a minute because this is a little bit different. We would refer to intercessors as watchmen on the wall, people who have a grace to pray and extend their prayer life. 
People who have a grace to pray all night or have a burden to pray maybe more than the average person. Intercessors are incredibly important because you can go to intercessors. Every great church has them. You can go to intercessors and say, hey, would you cover this situation we're concerned about? Would you cover this need? And then there's a trust that these intercessors will pray and wait and tarry and burden over these things. And sometimes God will give the intercessors images or ideas or thoughts or instruction for the leaders to then carry out. I just wanna say, if you sense that burden and that grace to be a prayer warrior in the next season, in the next year, we would love to elevate our intercessor ministry because we think we need it more than ever. I digress. The other part of that is you and I. We are also watchmen. We are those who look to the hills and to the mountains where our help comes from. And we look and we say, we wait on the Lord's victory and his deliverance because on this side of things, we know he's already won. So watch with me, look with me, wait and see that our victory is here and it's coming. And all of us have this great responsibility to then go share that energy and go share that mission and go share that news that, hey, Jesus is on the way. He came, he won, and he comes again. And if you join me in understanding and knowing that there's no God like our God. This is the declaration of Christmas. It's the declaration of Christianity. It's the declaration that must come forth from our mouth that shepherds are seeing in the sky that the Messiah is here, so can I. That the grieving are feeling hope, that healing is here. That the sinful are declaring, I once was lost, but now I'm found. The depressed are now declaring, I am joyful, I am hopeful, my tears have stopped. The children are laughing, the hungry are fed, the hopeless are hopeful. This is the good news available right I guess, the, I guess the question is, is, are you willing to be a watchman? Are you willing to eagerly with faith wait on your victory and encourage others that their victory is on the way and that it's guaranteed? I just want to recap what I'm trying to say today that there is no group anywhere no matter how broken or lost you are surrounded by mountains of oppression or depression for whom Jesus has not already won the victory we get to go tell it on the mountains over every hill and everywhere to all groups of people in all places and all circumstances. The Messiah is here. He's come. He's won. He comes again. And we've already got the victory. This is the good news. This is the good news. I know there's a lot of people who have a lot of questions over the holidays. I just really wanna encourage you to hold fast to the faith that Jesus has not forgotten you. And that if he came to shepherds to pronounce that he was their savior and their Lord, before he went 
to the people who were all established and had a good life, that the angels, God's armies, the Bible say, come to the shepherds, those who were worn out and tired and burnt out and thought maybe we just don't matter that much. And God says directly to them, you matter. Come and see, I've come for you. What I'm trying to tell you, if you feel that way today, God says the same thing to you. Come and see. Come and see, I love you. I want you. I care for you. I have paid the price for you. I read this story. My wife sent it to me. Somebody had sent her a message today. I'll recap it because it's a lot, but the message was from a young lady in our, our Northeast location. And um, she actually used to come to our church when we were one location in Port Richmond. And she had come for several years, but she had a drug problem and, um, and just inconsistent, in and out of church was actually her words. I was only coming because I was serving myself, thinking if I just make it to church on Sunday, maybe I can convince myself that I'm a good person and all the other stuff that I do throughout the week will be canceled out because I'm there on Sunday. And guys, the thing is, is, it don't matter how much we come to church or, or how much good we do, at the end of the day, we're not really good persons apart from Christ, who's the hope of glory and good inside of us, okay? Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. People who've received grace by faith, who acknowledge, man, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And then from that, connected to the vine, we do good works. We don't do good works to get to God. We can't do enough. God comes to us. Anyway. So years since she's come back, ends up having a baby. And when the baby comes, she has this revelation. I, I gotta get my life right. I gotta turn this thing around. And has been consistent and victorious, by the way, in her recovery journey. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that awesome? But through this process was like, I gotta, I gotta go back to the block church. I, I, I kind of feel a little bit ashamed uh, and a little bit like guilty, but like, I don't know, maybe they'll receive me back because they treated me like family then, but I treated them like I was using them. And so she, she, was full, she lives five minutes from our Northeast location. She was fully prepared to drive down into Port Richmond or go wherever she needed to go. And then she's like, oh my goodness, this church has grown so much since I came. Uh, they've got multiple locations and all these different things. And like, they're, they're, there's a location five minutes from my house. And she came and she's like, I can't believe that I'm not being judged or nobody's mad at me. Everyone's just kind of glad I'm home. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh, like this is what God does for us. Well, I could, why should we not do that for you? And then that's, this is my favorite part. So, you know, my husband and I, we're, we're actually not in a position where I have to work. I don't have to work, thank you, Lord. But I've been so compelled and moved by what God's done in this church and by your welcoming me in and me living for God again. So I went out and got a job just so that I could give to here to stay. 
And she's like, I'm loving my job and I'm loving what difference I'm making and I'm loving what God's doing. And I just love that story because it's like the good news is right now for everybody. It don't matter if you failed before or yesterday or before you got here, God loves you and he's willing and ready to use you if you're just available. I wonder if there's anybody available for God today, this Christmas. Say, God, make me humble like Mary. Make me courageous like the prophets. God, make me available like others. God, I want to be used for you. And if you do, he will. He's not a man that he should lie. The Spirit of God is here today. Receive his spirit and say yes to God. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.